Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? Welcome to the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. Uh, I am Sean Oshadi. I'm joined by my guy, the Prince of Positivity, the King in the North, Alexander K. Lee. We appreciate y'all, as always, for joining us. AK, what's up, man? How we doing? Hello. Uh, it's kind of, it's a bit, it's, we're feeling a bit weird, Shaheen. We're feeling a bit weird. Uh, we kind of had to extend the rankings window for this month. I think people might be a little confused when they see the rankings, see how many events were involved. Of course, you, uh, you Americans had your lovely July 4th Independence Day weekend, which kind of pushed things back. Um, so it's, it's, you know, people, we should tell actually, people are getting like extra rankings content this month. That's probably the best way to look at it, right? You're getting more bang for your buck this month, guys, because you've gotten some June, you're getting a sprinkle of July, uh, and you're getting a ton of movement and, uh, and debate as you will soon see. Absolutely. I mean, summer is in the air. It's, it's beautiful outside. And you're right. This is the biggest ranking cycle we've really ever had. Uh, in case you guys don't know, first of all, this is our once a month peek behind the curtain into the MMA Fighting Global Rankings. They just came out on Wednesday. Please check them out. Uh, and yeah, AK, this month, it, it, sometimes we are light on action uh, during these cycles. This is not one of those cycles. Since we, last time we were here, we have had, let me count them, six UFC events, two pay-per-views, uh, three PFL events, one Bellator event, and more. Uh, it's just kind of the way the schedule played out. But looking back, it, it was easily our busiest stretch since we started this show. So because of that, we have a lot to hit to today. Uh, and so we're just jumping in head first, AK. We're joined by our old pals, everyone's best friend, host of Heck of a Morning Between the Links, Mike Heck. What's going on, Mike? Hello, guys. How are you? Hopefully the power doesn't go out. Hopefully my Wi-Fi stays on. I have just been dealing with all sorts of silly issues lately. And hopefully with this ranking show, the debate doesn't get so hot that it ruins all my electronics. But I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, the debate might get a little hot because we are also joined by my guy, Jed Mishu, host of No Bets Bard. And damn, they were good. What's going on, Jed? Man, I'm I'm so excited because I knew I knew I was gonna get to be on this this uh, month's version of this show because 
I cleaned house this month. I made a lot of changes to what to what was going on, and I am excited to talk about them. <laughs> now that's a tease, and you're not even joking. Uh, we're gonna get into that in a bit, but first, before we even really like dive deep today, fellas, I wanted I wanted to talk about this because I mean, what was the long view like for you guys this month? Because if you look. All across every division, seemingly, there was something going on. We had a new number one at light heavyweight. We've been debating for the past several months about who's the king of that division, whether it's Glover Deshera, does Corey Anderson have a case? Is it actually Yuri Prohaska? And here we go, Yuri Prohaska coming in, settling the debate, cleaning up that mess a bit uh, with one of the greatest light heavyweight fights we have ever seen. And then you had, had Chaos at middleweight. 11 out of the 15 spots changing hands uh, within that division. That's incredible amount of turnover. We had big jumps by, I think, some big prospects, uh, some of you whom we've really seen coming, right? The Shavkat Ramanovs, the Mosvar Ivloyevs, the Talia Santoses. We had a sea change start to really start to unfold here at the bottom half of the lightweight division, right? With guys like Jalen Turner, Demir Ismagulov, plus big jumps by the trio that kind of took center stage for a second with Fiziev, Gamrat, Sarukian, right? And we even saw something that I think we didn't expect, which was someone catch up to the king himself, Kamaru Usman, and a new pound-for-pound pound number one be crowned on the men's side of the game. That is Alexander Volkanovsky. So, Mike, all of that, when you worked on your ballot this month, who or what was sort of the focus for you? What was the MVP of this cycle? It was probably Volkanovsky for me jumping to number one pound for pound. I needed to see it with my own eyes, but I felt very confident that if he went out there and beat Max Holloway convincing in any way, that he would be the new number one pound for pound for guys. So I had to make sure that I kept myself in line, that I'm a man of my word. And I think that's exactly what I did here. That performance against Max Holloway pitched essentially a, a perfect game. So for me, Volkanovski is the best fighter on the planet. Now, if Kamara Usman goes out there and does the same thing to Leon Edwards, maybe we flip flop a little bit. But as of right now, Volkanovski with the activity, these last two performances, He's the guy. So that was probably the most pivotal move I made in all these rankings. I was right there with you, Mike. And I was right there from, with you from the jump. The moment you said, uh, I think it was the night of UFC 276 in the slack room. I'm doing it. I'm making Volk my number one. It was like, man, I'm, I'm with you on this train. We're going to do it. And he actually, he, in the aggregate, jumped up enough to become the new number one for the website. Uh, so we're going to hit that in a little bit. But I mean, Jed, same question to you. Who was the MVP of this cycle for you? What was the weirdest, hardest question for you? It's hard to put an, uh, one single individual MVP out for me because to me the story of this cycle was it's a new day, baby. We've got we've got young talent coming up across multiple weight classes and, and taking over, and you see it with Johnny Eblen uh, made a a huge jump in our middleweight rankings. I'm confident in saying that. A uh, bunch of lightweights changed hand welterweight with Rachmanov coming up, but it it was the lightweight division. And the kind of debut of a bunch of, I don't know, maybe not debut, but sort of the rise of a bunch of dudes there that are the next the next gen. Because I've been talking about it. I hate that the top of the lightweight division has just been round robining against each other and not letting the new blood get a crack. And so this month I've got Jalen Turner, Rafael Fazeev, uh, Matush Gamera, and Armand Sarukian. I think I have them all in my top 10 just do, because, yeah. because they showed out, and that's I, I want to reward that. And, and frankly, I think that they are like the, the, the future of lightweight, which is the best division in the sport, 
is now. And it may take us a while to get there just because of the dynamics of that division. But these guys rule, and I'm stoked to see them compete. Yeah, if there was one uh, sentence to describe the way Jed Mishu's rankings handled this month, it was out with the old, in with the new, because, oh my God, Damn man. right. <laughs> Damn just right. kicking out everybody in the old folks home this month. Don't get old. Apparently. Don't get if old. If, if you want Jed Mishu <laughs> to validate you, don't get old. Don't, ever. It, find, find a way to not, not get old. That's it. Yoler is the only man who's ever done it, and the rest of you need to, need to get on board <laughs> with that train. <laughs> Because I'm not doing this. You fight Connor two times and you get to hold on to a spot. Ooh. Dustin Poirier, you got to do some work, son. Oh, my Direct God. Shot. Connor Direct McGregor, shot. the last remnant of Connor McGregor finally left these rankings, by the way, this month. That was another un, un, we, Reluctantly. news item we didn't even mention. AK, the last guy who was holding on to Connor McGregor in his lightweight I rankings, still, dropped I him. And I honestly had to like go out of my way to do it. I didn't want to. I didn't watch Jeez. it. I'll tell people now. He was in. He was in my number fifteen, my one point spot, uh, up until the bitter end. And then I was like, okay. I was like, I know people want him out. So this was like almost a political thing. I know people want him out. Uh, list, uh, uh, listeners, readers, you guys, probably other people in the media. Because I, again, I, I know, like you know, uh, Jed just called out Poirier for the two McGregor fights, and obviously the criticism should go the same way. McGregor should. You know, he, how much credit do you give him for losing two fights against Poirier? Uh, one win at lightweight. Oh, no, I was at welterweight. Has not even won at lightweight since Eddie Alvarez? That is correct. Holy Lord. Okay, so, uh, you know, you can give him the Cerrone one. If right, it's essentially want, a lightweight because fight. Because that was a sure. fake, fake welterweight fight. Sure, but sure, he, sure. He but, has... Yeah. Like one actual yeah. UFC career lightweight win. Ten <laughs> rounds with uh, Mayweather. I feel like we got to factor that into the MMA rankings. Oh my uh, God. You know? uh, no, so I was like, okay, you know, I love the PFL. Uh, OAM, o Olivier Oben Mercy has been putting in work. And I'm like, you know, wins against Nathan, Nathan Schulte. He just he just beat the last two. Good wins. Uh, the last two PFL champs. So I'm like, that's probably worth a ranking. And and so when I decided to bump McGregor out, I'm like, it's for a good cause. Like, it's not, it's certainly not unreasonable. And I'm sure if, if a lot of the uh, listeners would be like, there's, there's 30 other lightweights I would put above McGregor right now. And it's like, whatever. Well, they're not. I don't wrong. agree. I don't, I don't they're agree. I don't agree, but I'm not there with it. Find you someone, find you a friend as loyal as AK is to these old guard guys. Cause it's just, I mean, Gastelum till McGregor, you're just keeping these guys afloat. It's wonderful if to McGregor see. McGregor wins take his next fight. He, he's back in the top horses. 10. <laughs> take the old horses out behind the barn and shoot them. That's what I say. In with the new blood. <laughs> Uh, so let's start then at middleweight because that was really yeah. the craziest month for any division that I have ever seen when it comes to these rankings. And we've been doing them a year, but it was the wildest one month change we have seen since we started this. As I mentioned, 11 out of the 15 spots changed hands. Uh, that's just unreal turnover. So let's start with the new guys because this is a new blood themed conversation at this point. Alex Pereira, Johnny Eblen. Both come into this month unranked. Pereira beats Sean Strickland, who we had at eight. Eblen beats Gegar Musasi, who we had at three. Pereira ends up getting votes all over the place, as high as number four, as low as number 10. Eblen, same thing, as, as high as number three, as low as number eight. Huge split here among our staff. Ultimately, Eblen winds up at five, Pereira at eight. AK, who did you struggle with the most? And who did it, like, how, what did it surprise you about how much you struggled with him? I mean, it didn't surprise me, but boy, I, I, I didn't know what to do with Musasi. I think we all had to, we knew this day was coming. We all knew this day was coming. I think as recently as probably before the, was it, was John's, oh no, uh, the uh, Austin Vanderford, probably before that title fight. I think Jed, you had mentioned it. We said like, it's so hard to keep 
Gegard up there because we just know one random loss to a John Salter and Austin Vanford, or in this case, it finally happened, Johnny Eblen. He's going to drop down. He's going to drop down. Or or we have to give one of these Bellator guys his his number three spot, which he's been holding on to forever. He has just been sort of our consensus, not on everyone's uh, not on everyone's list, but consensus. Um, number three middleweight behind uh, Israel Adesanya and, and Robert Whitaker. It's just the way it's been since we started doing the rankings. So we knew this day would come. A lot of people loved Johnny Eblen as, a, as an underdog. Like, I think it was very live. Like, when the, when he won, it wasn't, like, a sh- complete shocker. There was definitely a lot of people who said, yeah, the, you know, one of these guys was going to do it. And Johnny Eblen, among, of, of Salter, Vanderford, and him, was, like, the best one. So the struggle for me was, does he just take Musasi's spot, or does he drop, or do I drop them, do I drop Musasi way down and then have, you know, put Eblen ahead of him? I eventually decided on the latter. So this is one case where I did not just give overwhelming credit to a veteran. Um... On the other hand, maybe I didn't give enough credit to Evelyn. Maybe I should have dropped Musasi down and put Evelyn in the top five. But I eventually settled with uh, Evelyn at number seven, Musasi at number eight. And uh, they got jumped over by guys like Muniz, Vittori, and uh, Derek Brunson has already been in the top five. But yeah, uh, Muniz jumped over both of them. So yeah, it hurt. That one hurt. That one hurt to drop Moose out of the top three, but um, had to be done, I guess. So this was actually a pretty easy one for me because, um, again, the way I the way I do my rankings is different than all of y'all's where the primary thing that I think look at is who would win in a fist fight like between the two of them. And I'm really pretty high on Johnny Eblen. Like, I think he is a very good fighter. And certainly that win over Musasi, there is some part of that that is Moose is getting a little older. He's losing his fastball. Yeah. But I mostly just think it was a really bad style matchup and a tremendous performance from a a good prospect and not even a prospect at this point, a a top five middleweight, because that's where I think Johnny Eblen is. I think if he moved over to the UFC tomorrow, he would have a ton of success against a lot of the guys in that division. He would be competitive with just about anybody. That's that's what I think of him as a fighter. That's what the uh, the ATT team feels with him. And. So I'm giving that credit as a win more than Gegard losing his fastball. Now, if you guys, you guys coming at it from a, what have you done? That is a much more difficult question. But for me, like I said, it was pretty easy because I still think Gegard beats a lot of other middleweights. The tricky one for me was Alex Bahia. Yeah. Bahia, sorry. Yeah. Because I think he can beat a lot of dudes, but I also think there are a lot of dudes who could beat him. But then it just came down to this weird, like, okay, well, he by definition has to be above Sean Strickland, but like where, where's Derek Brunson in this? Cause like Derek Brunson could probably just tackle him. But at the same time, I don't I still kind of feel like I'd like Alex Pereira is just a quote unquote better middleweight than, than this iteration of Derek Brunson, just at, at least with the ability to beat more people. So he was the one that was the biggest question mark for me. And I ended up putting him above some guys that I think probably could beat him like Derek Brunson and Paulo Costa, Primarily because I think if you, Alex Pereira, would kick the crap out of Jared Cannonier, and I think Jared Cannonier beats a lot of the guys below him, so it just sort of settled in at, all right, I'll put Pereira right in this kind of middle zone, but could be all the way wrong, and it's super weird because that dude might well be the middleweight champion like by the end of this year, and he might be... <laughs> like, he might be the most beatable middleweight champion since Michael Bisping, which is weird as hell. And yet so middleweighty, so, mid- so fitting so for the division. It, it, it's the whole division just really knows what it is and lives up to it constantly. <laughs> it's it's just like a, a matchmaking tour de force by the UFC matchmakers, if we're being honest. The fact that we were able to like have this reason, discussion in a reasonable way, 
A plus work. It's amazing work. It's because because you're right. I I struggle with Eblin and Musasi, but I sort of landed in a good spot with them. Like I, I ended up with Eblin at seven, Musasi at eight, and that felt right to me. Pereira, I had no freaking idea what to do with. I think he ended up at ten for me. Lo- same with AK. That's the lowest of anybody. Mike, you had him up at number four, and like I can't even hate on it. It's I mean that it, anything would make sense. But why why number four? Why so high for you? So I think I'm like the complete opposite of everybody where I feel like he's answered a lot of those questions and maybe, maybe he is beatable in some ways, but at the same time, I'm so impressed by how cool he is in these situations. UFC debut at MSG steamroll had a tough first round. Understand it. Second fight against Bruno Silva. That's a tough second fight. That's a really tough second fight. And he gets out there, gets it done. Tough 15-minute fight. Then he gets Sean Strickland on the undercard of an Israel-Adesanya fight. The whole time he's asked about Adesanya even more so than Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland becomes sort of the... And and I was just... I was really impressed by how how much people were gravitated towards that fight more than anything else. Like I've talked about it a bunch of times. Like we don't like to go behind the curtain about traffic and things like that. Cause not a lot of people want to hear about that. But even before Sean Strickland went bananas at the press conference, the intrigue and the interest from the MMA fighting viewers and visitors of the website, it was all in this fight. Even before the press By conference, far. not even yeah. close. Like it wasn't even, it comparable. was amazing. And Pereira didn't care. Like he was just, he was just into it. He was so focused, so relaxed. Sure. He he was given a gift of Sean Strickland's horrendous game plan. No doubt about that. All time bad game plan. That's my question. That's my question for you, Mike, because I'm not confident Pereira answered any questions because Sean Strickland just handed him a win on a silver platter. And that's what's he supposed to do. Say Sean time out forget about it. Like, why aren't you trying to wrestle? No, 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 Sean, stop. Take me down. I'm, (laughs) <laughs> my, he, he should absolutely have taken it. My my question is, uh, to you, how did he jump up so substantially in your rankings from what is a performance that can only be described as a gift to him? Not that he did bad, mind you, but that he he didn't answer any questions for me, I guess, is the point. Like, I don't know if that dude can stop a takedown, like, from anybody. I don't know if that... I don't know anything about him other than that he, he might punches not need super, to. super hard. He might not need and, to. And is very good at punching super super hard. Yeah, Bruno he should, Silva, he need to. But but he took he 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 was okay with the takedowns with Bruno Silva, who was shooting on him a lot in that fight. So that answered some questions. And then just was the moment going to be too much for him when the focus wasn't on his opponent; it was on the champion. And he answered all the questions. He did at, at least in that end. At least in that end. Hey, listen, this, the man in three fights has earned himself a title shot. So for me. He earns the spot. Now, could he go out there and just get 50-45 from Adesanya? By Adesanya? Sure. And if that happens, he plummets back down. But at least from what I've seen over three UFC fights and the potential that this man has, because let's put it out there, he is a little bit older in fight years because he's got a lot of experience, but at the same token, he's going to get better. Like, he's only going to get better. He's not going to get worse. He's only going to get better. Those questions, those parts of the game that he has shown thus far are going to get tested even more. And I think he's going to improve on all of that. So at least for now, I'm confident. I'm comfortable putting him at number four. Honestly, the the harder question was, do I put Pereira four or Muniz four? Because I'm that high on Muniz too. So... Yeah, I like both those guys. You could probably flip-flop those two guys, in my opinion. But at least for now, I'm very impressed with Alex Pereira. 
Sure, he didn't have to deal with takedowns and wrestling defense from Sean Strickland, but he dealt with it in the previous fight against a guy who's really good at it. And he did over 15 minutes and still won. So I have questions answered from the Pereira side. And just him going out there and starching Sean Strickland, no matter what the game plan was, was big for me. So happy with number four. That could change. But at least for right now, I think he's the number four guy. If if he got meshed up with like Muniz or Brunson next, uh, for whatever reason. Billion. And then, but no, and he then would, for some he reason, would, he would destroy Derek Brunson. And then, but then, he but then for sleep, maul Derek Brunson. Whoa, that's, well, unless, but whoa. Unless, oh, wait, oh, wait, he would maul who? He would maul, he would maul uh, Derek Brunson. Derek oh, okay. Brunson would get one takedown, and as soon as yeah. Pereira gets back to his feet, Pereira will put his head into the 14th row. But, but, it, like, but if that's either of those. It. If either of those matchups happened, I would hope that uh, like if there was just like, you know, a lot of striking in the first bit, I would hope that Alex Pereira goes like, uh, pardon me, sir. Are you are, are you not going to mix the martial arts? That's what that's that is. Well, this is the kind of contest I saw. I come from the kickboxing world. I've done this. Uh, I'd like to see some mixing the martial arts, please. It would make him my favorite fighter. If like he actually said that and it was like caught on camera, I'd be like, OK, yeah, Muniz is different. Muniz is, is different. But if they, I mean, if those two guys stand at Pereira can just get up. If Pereira like has if, if Pereira's takedown and jujitsu defense is is anywhere as good near as good as Uriah Hall's, that's a different fight. Like that's a very interesting fight. I that still is, would pick Muniz. That's an enormous if. That is a yeah. We're making some crazy assumptions yeah, right now. Like I like it. You guys are I asking like the questions. These did, are the answers I'm getting. My, my like question it. was just what he what questions he answered because I didn't have those same. We had different questions because. I didn't have questions about his ability to handle the spotlight since he was a multi-division glory champion. I suspect that he'd be fine at that. My questions are still like, what if some dude doesn't just put his chin out there? And Sean Strickland did not help me answer any questions, which is why I still don't really know what the hell to do with this dude. Because he might damn he he might just be the middleweight champion and he also could totally lose to like 12 different dudes in this division. But he could also be he could also be way better. He could also be way better than a lot of you are giving him credit for. Oh, absolutely. I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah. On prayer right now. I'm, I'm still sitting here trying to recover from that Derek Brunson drive by. Jesus Christ, that guy got smoked for no reason. And Uriah Hall, too. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. No remorse for the old guard this, on this episode. So I'm glad we brought up Andre Mooney's, though, because we said goodbye to, to some old Star Wars to this division this month. Darren Till is out of the rankings now. Uriah Hall out of the rankings. Kelvin Gastelum out of the rankings. And we welcomed him some new blood. Uh Two of which we've mentioned. Also, Driscus Duplicis getting in there at number 15. Let's go. But the one man who might be the dark horse of the whole damn thing is Andre Muniz. And it's clear that we are starting to see this very weird and interesting divide form here at MMA Fighting. Because I don't know if you guys noticed this, but all four of us on this show vaulted Andre Muniz into our top six at middleweight. Jed, you had him at four. Mike at five. AK and I, we had it at six. The other half of the panel totally don't believe yet. We had two guys who put him at number nine and two who had him all the way down at 12. And so I just wonder, you guys, why the divide do you think? And are we on the right side of history? Because I feel very strongly that we are. I am dead certain we're on the right side of history. My guess is the divide is just strictly who he has beaten. Um, Uriah Hall is his. Well, I mean, Jacare is. Jacare is not his best win, but it seems like his best win. It feels like his best win. Because he submitted Jacare. But this was still Jacare in 2021. Like, he wasn't a top middleweight. Uriah Hall is his best win over a top middleweight. And did we have Uriah Hall ranked last month? If so, he was was in the top 15, but I don't think he was top 10. So So Muniz took a spot. 
So yeah, they. And some uh, of these my rankings assumption are. is the divide is because my my rankings are a lot of projection, obviously, and apparently Mike is too, having just said that he's he's willing to bet on Alex Pereira, uh, and I think that that's that's just it. But I also think that you could just justifiably look at this dude and be like, oh, middleweight's mostly a bad division, and this guy rules. So let's let's he's. I would pick him comfortably to beat just about anybody in this division other than Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya, and Marvin Vittori, uh, just because Marvin Vittori is like the perfect ideal of what middleweight is. Just a <laughs> big blockheaded wrestle boxer. <laughs> that's, and that's, that's just like, I made this joke last week on No Bets Bard, or maybe it was, it was before 276, that Marvin Vittori is just like, he Sean Strickland is is a bad version of Marvin Vittori, and Marvin Vittori is like the perfect version of what Brad Tavares always wanted to be, and and that makes him very good and difficult middleweight. And I think Andre Muniz would struggle with that, but I think he beat the hell out of everybody else. I think Muniz will be the middleweight champion by the end of next year. Whoa, I'm a big I'm a big Jujitsu guy. You guys know that I'm big of the Charles Oldebert train. The That's Golden not even Shara. that big of projection. I don't know. The face Pere- Mike it, just make made, made made me feel like it was a very no, big projection. I think no, he beats. because if Pereira knocks out Izzy, are they? They're, they're oh, not going to yeah, run then, that back again. They're not going to do a fourth might. fight immediately. Sure they will. Yeah, yeah they Izzy will. Could, oh, you don't think Izzy's going to get an immediate rematch? Will get, he will get an immediate rematch. Um, Maybe, even after but that, that seems so hard. If the way you're selling this fight is this dude's already beaten him twice before, and then he goes and colds him, and you're like, I think, all right, let's do it one more. Time. <laughs> um, I think way, even if if he beats him a fourth a third time he can beat him a fourth time and then maybe then it's open season because yes. like i said alex Pereira is vulnerable i'm not saying that man sure. can't win and maybe he develops into that but i i don't think it's that big a stretch to predict that muniz has the title by the end of next year yeah and i don't even think that needs to unfold that way i think izzy could beat uh per- Pereira. i think and then if he goes up to light heavyweight that clears a path i also just also think I, I would pick muniz to beat vittori I would pick Muniz to beat. I'm just looking at your rankings, like who's ahead of him. Robert. I would absolutely pick Muniz to beat Robert Whitaker. I think he'd actually be quite a bit bigger than him. Um, striking obvious an issue, but I just don't know if Whitaker and Whitaker's got good wrestling. I don't know about his defensive wrestling. I mean, he's had good. He's got, you know, he's had good take on defense. I shouldn't say that. He's, but, he's I think, but I think Muniz is a whole other wrestler. Yeah, but I think Muniz is a whole other beast. He was the Australian um, national champion wrestler. Just so we're clear. Name another Australian national wrestling champion. I mean, that's still just, I'm sorry. I didn't realize just we were just shitting on people being national champions <laughs> no, that's, now. This is, what this, the hell? No, this is, this is like, this is like me saying this guy's the CFL MVP. It's like, does that, oh yeah. That's that's that, that mean? You're probably really good at football. Like, does it? Just, well, hold does hold it, on. Does it? How well, how well would you do in the NFL? I, wait, wasn't like Kurt Warner the CFL? That was AFL. No, that was Arena Football. Oh, was it? No. Doug Flutie, baby. Doug Flutie. <laughs> Doug, yeah, a role, a role player and a fun guy to have around in the NFL. No, there's a gap, there's a gap there. I, like I said, he's good. I just think Mooney's on another level. I'm not saying Whitaker's a bad wrestler. I just think Mooney's, I think, would take him down and submit him. And guess what? I think he'd do it to Izzy, too. So I'm saying even if Izzy retains and I think he stays, I think Mooney's is that good. I think he is... I, I know what you're going to say. I should have ranked him number one then, but I don't quite have that. No, <laughs> no, that that's, not, go. that's not yeah. how you rank people. So that's fine. Okay. I, I that's not how I, yeah, yeah. You know, that's not how I rank people. So I couldn't go that level, but I won't have to because I think by the end of the year, he will be number one. I'm that high on him. Last thing on this, and then we can move on. Mike, what do you think of this growing divide we have here at MMA fighting over this guy? I mean, I get it. It's probably this. You could probably compare it to Pereira in a lot of ways. I'm I'm pretty consistent on both guys, but it's funny seeing 
I, I guess I get it. Like, who is it? Gu- Guillerme putting Nunez at 12 is really surprising. <laughs> he's hard That's on his, super he's hard, surprising. He's hard on his own guys. He's hard on his own guys. What can you tell you? Yeah, he's, hard on the, he's hard on the Brazilians. I think he course corrected because he didn't want to be seen as biased. Because that's Possibly. the only explanation to have him that freaking. He went way <laughs> too far the other way. Wait, he dropped him. He dropped him down. How did he go down? He went down in his rankings. Oh yeah, he dropped him down one spot. Yeah, Sean Strickland ranks higher than Andre Muniz right now Boy. after getting bolted by oh, Alex Perez. I mean, so we're, it's so we're clear. He dropped him down while also removing Darren Till from the rankings, who was above Muniz. So, <laughs> so, 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 who jumped up there? Who jumped up there? Evelyn. Oh, and, and Pereira. Because Evelyn, Evelyn and Pereira, Evelyn and Pereira both debuted. Wow, so there was a reason. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, interesting. I get it. No Listen, Brazilian bias. No Brazilian bias at no, all. Anti-Brazilian None. bias. I, we got to check that. We got to look into that. I think. Yes, we got to check those tapes, AK. But yeah, I got to see his just voting record quick, now. The face I was making at AK was not because I don't think Muniz can be the champion of the world because I think he can. It comes. I just don't think he's gonna. He's gonna get his chance in the next yeah, year. I agree. Year with you. Oh, I, I, agree I think with it's you. gonna be. He's gonna have the Marab Dewalish Willie build where oh. he's gonna get a win over a top fifteen guy next, maybe a top twelve guy, and then no one's gonna want to fight this guy, and it's just gonna be a. It's just gonna be a nightmare for him to get up those rankings. Skill skill wise, I think he can be the champion for sure. I just think it's gonna take a little bit longer. That's all. I'm with you on that one. It doesn't feel like the UFC is going to be interested in doing too many favors for Andre Muniz anytime soon, but we'll see. No, no. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's move on, though, because we had two other big changes this month, and we definitely need to hit this one first. Uh, And that's the crowning of the new number one. As we said, ever since we created these lists more than a year ago, the one constant has sort of been Kamar Usman's name atop these men pound for pound ranks. He's sort of the son that everyone else orbits around. Uh, And it was like one of our only unanimous votes on the website, too. Like, it was just never a debate. Always every month, eight first place voice votes for Kamar Usman. And now all of a sudden that just blew open this past month. He he got some first place votes. So did Israel Adesanya. So did Alexander Volkanovsky. And the way that the point system internally works when we do these rankings, Volkanovsky was higher in the aggregate, uh, just enough to push him to that top spot. But he ended up with 153 points and Usman ended up with 152 points. No one else was even close compared to those two. It might have just been our most polarizing debate internally ever. Oh, that's um, my bad. Damn. Mike, you went Volkanovski <laughs> this month at number one, as did I. Why do you think we saw what we saw just in terms of this all just blowing open? Like, why did the dam finally break now for Kamaro? Like, how do you go from eight first place votes to four in a single month? It's probably the same way that Usman got into the number one spot. And what I mean by that is 
Usman was so active that he was fighting all the time. It was like every three months we were expecting a Kamara Usman title defense. And that's what we were getting. And he was going out and winning fights and he was beating. He was the way he was winning these fights as well. Finishing Gilbert Burns, holding Jorge Mazadal, beating Colby Covington, who everyone for the most part feels is in a world without Kamara Usman. Covington is the best welterweight in the world. So those add up. The activity adds up 100%. We haven't seen him since November, and I know that doesn't seem like all that long ago, but Volkanovski has fought twice since then and has pitched a pair of perfect games. That title defense against Max Holloway was great, but the title defense against Korean Zombie was incredible. It was one of, it was one of the top 15 title defenses I've ever seen. The way he just... TKZ had nothing for him and then Volkanovski blew the doors off of him the fight could have been stopped on multiple occasions before it was actually stopped and it was a mercy stoppage in the fourth round that was an incredible title defense especially in a fight where TKZ built it up to the fact where people actually were like we don't think he's going to win, but we think this is going to be really competitive because he has a secret that nobody seems to know what it is, the way he's selling this fight. And Volkanovski is like, you can have all the secrets you want. I'm still going to blow you out of the water. And that's exactly what he did. So I think the activity helps. And it was the same reason why I got kind of blasted by Damon and some others when I put Shevchenko as the number one pound for pound fighter over Amanda Nunes because Shevchenko was fighting. Not only was she fighting, she was winning and she kept winning. And then inch by inch, she just took over the spot because she was active. And I feel like Volkanovsky skill for skill wise, there is an argument to be made that he is the best fighter on the planet. And even Jed has gone as far as to say, you can make the argument Volkanovsky might be the best fighter we've ever seen just for now, yep. like at right now, like the potential to be one of the best fighters we've ever seen in the sport. And you can make that argument, but right now him and Usman are very close, but I just feel like these last two performances of Volkanovski, the fact that he has two fights in 2022 and Usman has not fought yet this year puts him in that spot and you can make arguments either way for them. But yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I said it, that was going to be the case if he beat Max Holloway in any way convincing matter. And that's what he did. And he did it more so convincingly that a lot of people thought he would. So yeah, he's the guy, but Usman's knocking on the door still. No matter, no doubt about it. Yeah, it does. It does feel like it's one of those things where obviously he wins by one point in our in our scoring metric. And again, a lot of that may be activity. So like Usman fights in August, he wins. Usman, might, this might be fleeting. Like we might just be talking about Kamar Usman retaking his spot in a few months here. But for the moment, it's Volkanovski's pound for pound king. Jed, you went the other way, though. You kind of zigged where a few of us zagged. You went Izzy. And actually one other person joined you in that in that crusade. Why was Izzy the new number one for you? Because uh, I will also say hand up. It's my fault that Volk is number one now because uh, I put him as my number two and that was against my own methodology just because I wanted to reward what was quite possibly the single best performance we've ever seen um, in a cage fight. Like his his win over Holloway was honestly like one of the five best fight like performances I think I've ever seen in in, in the totality of it. Uh, and so I wanted to reward it. He still should actually be my number four based on the way I do this, which is essentially a point scoring methodology. But wanted to reward that. Uh, Francis Ngannou isn't fighting until December, so it kind of felt dumb to keep him ahead of a dude at being as active as Volk is. And I did it under the assumption that should Kamar Usman defend his title, he'll just retake uh, the spot above Volk, and then then it'll be fine. But I want, like I said, I wanted to reward that. The reason I went Izzy though is. It wasn't close. So I I do, like I said, I do a point scoring system to total my pound for pound because the way I view pound for pound is 
your dominance and your like your your victories over your peers, so your divisional compatriots or whatever. And it's not close. Adesanya is the only dude is the only person other than uh, Valentina Shevchenko who has actively cleaned out a division. He has fought everybody. He has five wins over people we currently have in our well, maybe not currently because of the changes, but over top five middleweights in our rankings. He has fought a diversity of people in the rankings. Uh, hold, let me pull up our exact middleweight rankings right now, so I can I can eyeball it, the numbers he did. So where are we at middleweight? He has two wins over the number two guy. He's got two wins over the number three guy. He now has a win over the number four guy. Johnny Eblen at five. He obviously hasn't. He has a win over the number six guy. Uh, and then who else does does he have anybody else in our top fifteen now? Costa at number ten. Oh, Costa and the number ten. So that's that was what five top ten wins. Is that right off the top of my head? Plus yeah. doubling up a couple of those. Nobody else is even close to that. Volkanovski has three wins over Max Holloway, um, which great. I'm not here to say those are bad. Those are obviously sensational, and he's got the Ortega win. It's five top five wins, but three or four top five wins, three of them over the same dude, and he's got Korean Zombie, who is number ten. But honestly, that doesn't even feel like one. Zombie might actually be retired. Also, it feels weird that Zombie's number ten in our rankings, right? So to me, it, it's just. If you want to put Max number one because of because you think that skill for skill he is the best fighter in the world, I have zero argument. This dude may actually just be the best fighter we've ever seen at this moment. But Izzy has simply done more. He has done more to clean out his division. He has shown more dominance over more people. And even if his performances aren't exciting, Volkanovski's fight was much better than Max Holloway. It wasn't any more dominant because Jared Cannonier wasn't. It, had the exact same chance of winning that fight as Max Holloway did. Zero. They both controlled pillar to post the whole fight. One was just more fun to watch. And I can't, as much as I want to dock Izzy points for being a little bit not interesting lately, I just can't because the what he has done is so impressive and so so much better than his peers that I have to call him the top pound for pound fighter in the world. So I hear what you're saying, and I'm interested because... I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but in regards to almost reflecting it on Volk, right? Where it's just the level of dominance, controlling just this division with an iron fist, and also the strength of schedule, because activity and the strength of schedule. Because you look at his strength of schedule, it's utterly absurd. You got Max three times, Korean Zombie Ortega, Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez, Darren Elkins. Like, it's just a, a really impressive run. But how do you, my question to you, Jed, would be how do you not hold the loss against Izzy, right? Like, it's a different division, but. Because it's a different but division. It's a different division, but Camaro and uh, Volk are both undefeated in the UFC, and that to me speaks at least some level of that nudges him over the edge for me. So that is how I justified putting Volk above uh, Ngannou and Usman is well, he's functionally undefeated or whatever at featherweight. But uh, truth be told, like I, I don't dock Izzy points because it was a different division because he. He moved up and tried to do something, and frankly, I think if Volk moves up, Islamakachev will beat the holy hell out of him. Like, just because Volk hasn't done it yet, even though he's going to try, doesn't it, that that loss doesn't doesn't negate it anymore? In the same way that U Usman hasn't done it yet, and if either of them go up and then do it, then I'll have to reevaluate because I do give you credit for wins outside of your division, um, and especially if you're going up and claiming second titles or whatever. But for me, it's. I, I don't give, I mean, 
he gets credit for the Aldo win, but the Aldo win was forever ago, and also Aldo's now a bantamweight, so there's some, and then Darren Elkins is like, that's a solid win, but his his wins that matter in terms of my view of pound for pound, which is what have you done for me lately over the people you should be fighting? He he beat Max three times, and it's not his fault because that's just sort of how it broke, but that's why I said after the fight, I want to see him defend because I think he can and would if he stays at featherweight. I think he could put together an unbelievable run. Etch his name as one of the all-time, all-time greats, if not the best fighter of all time. But he's got to do it right now because he, I, I sort of dock, I don't dock points from the point total, but I do, it makes me feel weird to be like, hey, obviously Max Holloway is the second best featherweight in the world. Also, obviously, you are tailor-made to beat this dude, so show me some more variety. Show me some other guys on the list, and hopefully we'll get that soon. And I think there's absolutely a world where coming up he is going to take the top spot, but I, it's the numbers, and he doesn't have them right now for me. Yeah, and, and just to quickly add to that, I will say, I, yeah, I don't like the idea of punishing someone for going up to try and win a second title. Like, <clears throat> that seems like a strange. Con- it's, it's we're essentially saying, well, why didn't he just stay at middleweight and like fight Derek Brunson again or defend against like Jack Hermanson? Like, would that have made like that? We're like we're rewarding that as opposed to again him going up to try and fight the best light heavyweight in the world. So I'm, I, I'm with Jed on that. I, I, I don't, don't think know, he I, 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 I would yeah, just go ahead, Sean, uh, because. For me, it's like in a debate like this, the margins is so thin, right? Where it's you mm-hmm. look at the, you look at the three of them. It's actually ridiculous how close they are in stats. Where Volkanovski's twelve and zero in the UFC four title defenses, Usman's fifteen zero in the UFC five title defenses, and then Izzy's twelve and one with five title defenses. Where it's like that's the one loss among the three. That has to count for something to me. Like but it's not why? like we're saying but Izzy why? is trash, why? but it's we, just we'd like rather he's, we'd rather level- he's thirteen. But he's, we'd rather he's thirteen and zero, and like he has two wins over Derek Brunson, or he has another like a win over Jack Hermanson. Like how does that? strengthen right, his resume but, like that much right but if he beat Jan Bohovic he's the he's probably everybody's number one pound for pound yeah. fighter so oh, we yeah, reward sure. him for a win but yes. we don't dock him for a yes. loss I, I don't understand a, that was a all so, reward so no he risk is docked, move. he is docked for the loss though because that is if because if he had stayed at middleweight and beaten Sean Strickland or whoever he would be ironclad my number one he the opportunity cost of trading one fight in a division that he can get a win to pursue something else he lost that he's still just ahead of everyone else because he's simply done more over the top fighters in his division as far as my scoring goes and again i'm not here to say that he is the most skilled fighter or whatever though i think he is obviously tremendously skilled and talented but it's just the the way i am rewarding and viewing it is beating your beating the people you should be fighting the other best people in your division over time that's how i that's how i set it up and that's how it felt the most just to me um because it's hard to eyeball. It's it's easier for me to eyeball fighters in the same division and be like, oh, I think that dude would beat that dude. It's a lot harder for me to be like, well, if we if we put a stuck a pump into Volkanovski and puffed him up to 185, he'd kick the shit out of Israel Adesanya. It's just like I, that's really that's really difficult for me to do. So I just figured this is the best way to do it. But I like I have no issue with any of you guys putting him at number one. It's a fun debate because yeah. it's it's totally yeah. reasonable. Uh, I don't. I functionally do not think you can go wrong with any of the top four any, yep. of Adesanya, Volkanovski, Usman, or Ngannou being your number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, if you want to throw Charles Oliveira in there, I, I don't do, even yeah. have a huge issue with that. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I don't have a problem with him. Like any of those five, if you want them to be your number one, I think they're close to interchangeable. Just I, I'm just sticking with Izzy until until he gets knocked out by Alex Pereira. 
AK, you you were one of the Usman holdouts. When you look yeah. at what we're doing here, this whole the, yeah. the past fifteen minutes, do you, is this just boredom? Do you think for us, like, is that why this mass exodus this month? For, I mean, there's there's boredom, there's recency bias, but I mean, recency bias is in, in MMA is like it's 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 almost like a fair thing to to have, like because the sport now, especially, especially now, moves so so fast now. So for me, again, it, it's been a broken record. I'm very rigid with my rankings. It takes me a lot to like move people and dislodge people. So I I really would like like to punish um, Usman for you know somewhat in well I won't say inactivity. He does have the Leon Edwards fight coming up, but it's a fight that's so. It's so um, low on the Q rating like meter that I literally just forgot about it until I said it, uh, which Leon is a bad sign. Him. It's or Leon beats him, right? It changes everything. But it's a guy he's he's already beaten too. I know it was a long time ago. There, you could say they're different fighters. I don't think they're that different, frankly, from the first meeting. Well, I think Usman maybe Edwards. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah. So, but but yeah, it, it, it would take something for me to to drop Usman or or. Other guys just like kind of piling up more tile defense. So like, like just said, they're so close. They're so close. And Ganu, Charles Oliveira, the guys we just mentioned, Volkanovski, Edison, yeah, it's really, really close. Um, so for me, because it's that close, it's almost like you know, um, in a in a in a uh, you know a real sport where you're they're trying to overturn the call. It's like I don't have enough evidence to overturn the call yet. I've called it Usman at number one for months. That's a I don't have enough ev- analogy. Yeah, I don't have enough evidence to Love overturn it. the call yet. It's getting there. It's it, it's 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 close. It's borderline. But because but because I initially called it Usman number one, I will stand with the call on the field, as it were. I love it. I love that logic. That is a plus word. It's the tuck rule, AK. That was your tuck rule. I love it. God, you guys never forget. You'll never forget it. Who would have had the Canadian on this show leading by far in NFL references right at this point? Also CFL. Well, that was obvious. CFL football references. Yeah, pro football references. All right, fellas. Well, I mean, as we said, I mean, it's totally possible Kamaro just retakes this spot in September if and when he gets past Leon Edwards at, at 278. So this is all going to be fleeting, maybe. But either way, it's fun to, to hit for the moment. Uh, last topic we want to get to today. And we alluded to it at the top. Lightweight's getting real fun, y'all. Like it has always been the best division in MMA. Uh, but the one complaint that we have had recently in particular is that this old guy guard is sort of squatting on their numbers and holding back the new blood. And that's still kind of happening. Like that's I don't know that that's changed too much, but at least this month we saw a little bit of glimpse into that bright and wonderful new future. Right. We got Jalen Turner in here. Demir Ismagulov in here. They're both of them debate uh, debuting at number 13 and 14, respectively. And then you have the trio of Fiziev, Gamrot, Sarukian, vault all the way up to seven, eight and nine. And suddenly the bottom half of this division is just looking all kinds of fun, getting me all kinds of excited by the possibilities. Jed, you alluded to it earlier, but you went all in on these dudes. Like you, you just went full, right. you went full all in. You had Gamrod at three, Sarukian at four, Fiziev at five, you had Turner at nine. Explain to us why you love this and why you're not crazy with your rankings here. Because time is going to make me a genius. I am, I, I am early on You're ahead this, of the right? curve on this. By any definition of what they, if, if the way you're ranking is by who they've beaten and thus where they deserve to be ranked, I am, I'm ahead of schedule. But these are the new, the, like I said, these are the new people. These are the new guys. And I think if you, again, the way I do it, if, if who, who's going to beat it? And if you put, if you book tomorrow, Fiziev versus Gaethje, the fight that Fiziev wants, I'm taking Fiziev. And I have been driving the Justin Gaethje bandwagon hard on this site for a long time. But I, I just think that that's how this goes at this point. Uh, feel extremely confident that uh, Sarukian and Gamrot just tackle 
you know, Dustin Poirier to the ground and sit on him and beat the hell out of him from the top. Like that fight between Gamrot and Sarukian, you know, fight of the year contender. Uh, I I only ranked Gamrot ahead of Sarukian because he technically won it. But I mean, those two dudes are are the identical as far as I'm concerned and where their ranking should be. And the only guys about the only people in the lightweight division I'd beat, I'd pick right now to beat that trio is Charles Oliveira and Islam Akachev. And if you could convince me they could, uh, any of those dudes could beat is could beat Islam or Chucky. Like you could absolutely convince me. I was a little more cautious on Jalen Turner just because we have seen him falter in a sort of, in a substantial way before, but I, I damn near just put him right behind the like I was almost just like, we're just going to go all in on these dudes, but Jalen Turner is going to get back in there. He's going to get somebody. And when he gets that win, he's going to join that. Cause this is the new guard. These are the dudes who are going to be at the top. As soon as somebody gives them their chance, because right now, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler are trying to fight each other, despite the fact that they're both getting super old for this weight class and haven't beaten like other people in the weight class that are good recently like Chandler's living off kicking Tony Ferguson who hasn't been in my rankings for a minute it's just like I want to see these new guys come up and I am extremely confident that in two years this my rankings will be like what everyone's at I'm just ahead right now what do you think about that Mike I love everything Jed just said. Um, I was a little more cautious here. I was high. I think I was like two or three spots higher on Sarukian last month than everybody else. Uh, I was just, I was just, yeah, that you're sold. taking and a victory I, lap st- for that yeah, one. You knew it. And I'm still that sold. I'm still that sold. Like he dropped one spot because Gamrot quote unquote beat him, which I've watched that fight four times now. And Gamrot did not win on either of those watches. So I'm just throwing it out there. And I'll say this again. I said on to the next one. You can make more of a case for a 49-46 Rukian than you can a 48-47 Gamrot. But that's neither here nor there. Anyways, those I, I agree with everything Jed said. You can you could put those three guys wherever you want them, but all three of them at worst should be in everybody's top 10. Ayafaziv at seven, Gamrot at eight Sarukian at nine, but you could flip flop either of those guys. I just feel like Fazeev getting a win over a former champion, being up three one in my scorecards, and then just bolting him in the fifth round and putting a pretty durable guy away who doesn't get really destroyed like that at one fifty five, like that in the fifth round when the gas tank and all those things were the biggest questions we had about him. I think that just holds a little bit more water currently, but. If you're asking me who I think will be champion first, I still feel like Sarukian will be the champion uh, first out of either of these three guys. But man, lightweight was always fun. And as Jed always said, lightweight's the best division in the sport. But now you insert these three guys and now you insert a guy like Jalen Turner and Isma Gulov is might be as good as all of them we just we just haven't seen him get tested and put in a big spot like that so 55 like this we talk about next generations in these divisions 35 45 55 god 55 is ridiculous i can't wait to see what this division looks like in two years with armand sarukin as the champion after having three wins over islam makachev yeah, dude, because people like Grant Dawson are just like also lightweight. Hey, Grant too. I don't know if you I don't know if you guys know that. He's also Grant's good an too. insanely good fighter. And Claudio Playas. We keep forgetting yeah. Claudio Playas. My yeah. God. Like Playas is there, yeah. Lightweight rules. The young up and comer Jim Miller is on a tear. Like it's just everywhere, man. Just 
Jim Miller is is time itself. He will be here forever and, and always. I see you. I you. I think Jed. Maybe you were the first one to finish your rankings this month. Or first or second. I know Mike was on it early too. I I saw your rankings after you finished it, and it like energized me to almost be more bold than I was going to be beforehand with some of these guys. Because I I totally agree with you, and I I just don't have the balls yet to sort of <laughs> jump them into this top five zone that you've put them in. But I want to very badly because I feel like this is where we're all headed. And you summed it up really nicely, where it's just like, this is the future. Like like a year Absol- from now, dude, absolutely. this lightweight division is going to look really different than what it looks like right now. And we, yeah. in, you know, get ahead of the curve or whatever, but it just feels like we're in the midst of something happening. AK, you're, you've admitted just a couple times in this program, you hold on a little bit longer than I think some of us when it comes to the older names and the older guard. How uh-huh. tough was this one for you in terms of figuring out where to put these younger guys? Because Fiziev ended up being number seven for you, but the rest of these guys were outside of the top ten. Yeah, you know, it was it wasn't that tough. It's pretty. It was fun. It was fun. You know, again, I, I hate to drop out the old man. Am I? I'm just looking at my own rankings now. Am, do I? Am I the highest Ferguson guy? Oh, me and me and uh, me and Stephen Morocco. Somebody, I, I am. I was just looking at this, and uh-huh. I need to have a conversation with both you and. Well, Stephen's like me. Stephen's also party. pretty. Stephen's also fairly rigid with how he does his he rankings. Hasn't so probably more so. He has one. Yeah, fight. looking out. Tony Ferguson. Look, look, his Tony last Ferguson deserves his spot. Was Cowboy. June his last win was Cowboy. Tony Ferguson's a legend. He deserves his spot forever. His last three opponents, his last three wins: Cerrone, Anthony Pettis, and and uh, Rafael, and uh, excuse me, Kevin Lee. Those are so. not. Those <laughs> wins are good. Were good at the time and have not aged well. And they're like, so far apart. Like Twenty right now, what they mean? 2019, 2018, 2017. And Kevin Lee was five years ago now. So it's a, it's yeah, it's I, I'm, I should, I'm probably about ready to let go. It, it, the, the thing with me is he just, he's, he's been getting good matchups, you know, against other names, right? So he hasn't lost to a Sarukian. He hasn't lost to an Ismagulov, uh, Jalen Turner. That's the, they, you know, that's really they squat because nobody's I know, giving you're right. young people a chance. You, you are 100% correct. They are squatting. Uh, and look, they're putting in that work. They're putting in that work My, to just take the spot, whether he fights or not, whether he wins or not. Michael the same with Gillespie. Michael Chandler should have punted Tony Ferguson right on out of our ranking. Right out of the <laughs> ranking. Gregor Gillespie is also hurting himself by not fighting because he has definitely had his spot taken by some of these guys. And I know he wants a big fight. He's it's not, not going to get it. No, yeah. he's eventually just going to slide he's out of the He's going to fight Gamrod. Yeah, he is he's sabotaging his career the way that he I has handled say this. He was as high as like eight or seven in our <laughs> rankings at some point, and like he is just falling out. I don't know how low he went on all your guys, but he is plummeting. I see he's out of the top 10 for you, Shaheen. Yeah. Uh, Steven has him out of the top 10. It's the kind of across reason, the board, yeah. The only reason yeah. I have him as high as I do is because I still think he's really good. But yeah, he is. I, he has absolutely cratered his own career. <laughs> That's oh, so unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, uh, of this bunch, yeah, look, it was very fun to put them up there and rank them. I don't know about the title talk. I don't know about like how many guys are guaranteed. Surukian would probably be my pick. I'm just so, so high on him. And I love the bumps that he's taken like early in his career. Like by far. He's the youngest too. And and, and honestly, the, these these losses that he's taken are the kind of losses that make you better. Like they're going to make him so, Absolutely, so, so, yeah. so much better. I don't feel like they're comp- hurting his confidence. I think they're only going to help build his confidence. Um, yeah, the upside is because the age, like Jed just mentioned, is incredible. Um, it's gonna be a while though. It's gonna be a while. You guys know I have this whole grand plan for um, Oliveira to be Makachev, and then Khabib comes back, and that's gonna take all of 2023. But by 2024, it might be on time. Uh, <laughs> so just so we're going clear, to Andre Andre Muniz champion by the end of the year. Yes. Armand Sarukian champion in 2024. 2024. Mike, or at least gets him. a title shot. Fight him, Mike. Just, fight him. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Last thing, and then we'll put a bow on this conversation. Just round robin quickly, you might kind of hit this already, but just among these five guys who are, at least for this month, sort of representative of what we're talking about when it comes to this sort of changing of the guard that's happening, who do you guys think will challenge for the title first, but and also who do you think will win the title first? Two very different questions there. Mike. I think Fazee will challenge first, but I think Sarukiyama will win it first. I think Fazee, I, th- I think Fazee just, I think they have something here. I think the UFC knows they have something here. I wish they had a little bit more fun with the name thing. I know we've all talked about that. The Raphael Hafiel thing, they should have done a little bit more at that other than just posting on social media. But I feel like if Fazee gets the Gaethje fight, which considering timelines and Gaethje getting surgery on his nose this month, I think there's a very good chance he gets that fight. It's either going to be on a pay-per-view, maybe it's at MSG, maybe it's a fight night made event. And I feel like if he beats Justin Gaethje, he's a win away, depending on if we can have a champion crowned by the end of the year. Like if Oliveira does fight Makachev or if Makachev fights somebody else or Oliveira fights somebody else. Like I feel like by the time that the the cards are laid out, Fazeev could make a case of just literally getting a title shot in his next fight. So I feel like his path to a title is going to be shorter than the other two guys. But I feel like Fazee probably loses to Makachev or Oliveira. Wallace, when Sarukian finally gets there, 2023, 2024, 2025, he'll be 27, 28 years old, and he'll be primed and ready to go. So I think Fazee gets the shot first. I think Sarukian will end up becoming the first champion out of this bunch. What do you think, Jeff? I think Mike has, uh, has picked the the safest options and probably agree. I'm going to go ahead and agree with him on the uh, Fazeev is the first to get one for all the reasons he said. Do think he's probably one went away. Um, 
but I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Dark Horse. Give me Jalen Turner. Let's to go. The first one to actually let's go to actually win the belt. I'm on this train my, with you, my man. I feel very confident that Fazeev will challenge. Uh, my issue is I think Fazeev is gonna challenge um, against Makachev again, and I think Makachev is gonna beat him. Uh, I think Fazeev will probably get an opportunity and may well do, may well win. But Jalen, the physical advantages Jalen Turner has, he is already starting to maximize extremely well. And I think you give him a couple more years to develop and really fine tune this style. And even prospect like Sarukian, who is an unbelievable A A plus blue, uh, blue. What's the term I'm looking for? Uh, whatever. The, blue the chip? Top, blue chip. That's the word I'm looking gotcha. for. Blue chip prospect. Uh, I think Jalen Turner is just, uh, I love what he can be and the way he's developing. And I think his style is is a bit unique and gives him more of an opportunity to turn that, to convert that into a championship. So give me Jalen Turner as the first to hold the belt. I am so glad that we're on this train together, Jed, because I am right there with you. I didn't I didn't know if anybody was going to pick Jalen. Love the tarantula. He dude, he this is a guy who snuck into into 276 just under the radar, right? Four straight first round finishes. But it was kind of this Luke road. I've said this a couple times, but this Vicente Luque type of road of just like this quiet ultra violence. But man, like you spark out Brad Riddell in 45 seconds, like people are going to start paying attention. I think that's where we've reached with this guy. We're six foot three, 77 inch reach, 27 years old. He, he's just coming into his own. He knows how to use his size, his length for, for the division. It doesn't even feel like it's hard for him to make lightweight somehow. And the dude is massive in there. And he he's just timing speed, like preternatural finishing instincts, all of this. Like I am all aboard the Jalen Turner train. And I agree with both your picks there. I think Fizzy probably will be the most likely because he's almost there. Like he's, he's basically, basically. there and he'd be, I think he could beat Justin. What's up, Mike? I just want to say one thing. I, I skill wise, Jalen Turner's a monster. Like this guy's really good. He's actually exceeded my expectations to sure already really high before he came to the UFC. He needs to be more like interesting in today's times. And what I mean by that is he has a great story. The tarantulas, the stakes and all that stuff. Great skateboarding. Awesome. But when the mo- when the lights are upon him, he's got to say something interesting. He's got to call out a name. Like he, I know it's not like him. He doesn't have to be a prick about it. He doesn't have to be like, oh, you took everything I worked for, mf'er. Now you got to fight me. He's got to call somebody out. Like you, you gotta, you gotta get names out there. You like Sarukian, Gamrod, Fazeev. Like they made headlines because they called out Justin Gaethje. They have names in mind. Jalen Turner's just like meh. You know, the UFC is going to give me a fighter and uh, I love the UFC. They're a great organization. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully uh, I'll be healthy and and wise enough. And and, and hopefully my improvements will be there. Impression. Like yeah, his I Turner mean, voice is fantastic. <laughs> I love Jalen Turner as a fighter, but he's got to Like, I just feel like his road's going to be super long until he actually like marks a bullseye on somebody like moving up the ranks. Cause otherwise I feel like he's going to have to fight the Isma Gulovs of the world or guys fringe top 15 guys for a while. And that's not fair to him skill wise, but this is a business where we have to sell pay-per-views and get eyeballs on the product. And as good as Jalen is as a fighter, I just don't know if he's that guy that's going to draw a lot of casual interest and be in that position for the UFC. So hopefully he gets one more win. They give him a step up. They give him a big spot. He calls somebody out. He makes 
he makes those those pivotal moves on the microphone and behind the scenes. And if he does that, I think you you, you guys both have great compelling points from a skill perspective. I just don't know if the interest in Jalen Turner is going to get him there as quickly as as he should be. I actually think he I think he evolved past the the Uzmikulov type of fights at this point with that 45 second one. Like, I think the next one is going to be an, a surprisingly bigger name than we would expect. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Sean on that. I, I'm with you, Mike, and that he needs to be more interesting because every fighter should try and be more interesting. But he, I mean, there are different ways, right? He is, I I, I would not categorize Armand Sarukian as a, a dynamically impressive Mike performer, like, or Matush Gamrat. I think Gamrat's probably a little better than Sarukian in that regard, but like, neither of them are, are getting you to buy pay-per-views because of what they're saying. It's just that they're incredibly good. Uh, Jalen Turner also not doing that but he's just been he's five finishes in a row he's absolutely clobbering people uh and i think that's that's gonna get him the move up uh as quickly if if not more quickly uh and then that's i'm i'm super stoked to watch all these dudes fight like that's i want to so fight armin Sarukin. it's so like, fun I see that fight tomorrow. jalen turner He's so he's so big. He's so don't big. change. How do you beat well, a main? But also, like, good? I don't want to see them fight <laughs> each other. Like the Gamrot Sarukian fight was fun and it was cool, and I'm glad we oh. did it. But like, that's enough. Give these guys no. the older guys. Like, let's do that's old guard, a, new guard for a while because listen, I do no, not want to see these the, cannibalize the each other. We don't need. They don't need to cannibalize. Can I just say? I'm fine with can it. I just say, Jalen Turner? Don't listen to these guys. Never change. He's such a nice. Young, he's such a nice young man. He's so <laughs> nice. He's so, he's so well mannered. He's a pleasure That's to fine. interview. Like he's such out. a nice guy. No, don't call anybody out. Just be you polite. Nice doesn't get you paid, you want, AK. Mister Dana, fighter, whoever you want. He's such a nice guy. He's such a nice young man. Says uh, whoever the UFC wants. Their management, if they have management that. that was worth the damn, should punch them in in the area that would cause a five minute break. <laughs> Just do that every time and condition them to be more interesting, especially in a spot to, like this where it's like a yeah. crucial crossroads type of thing. I know, absolutely. But, because Jalen, like, if you're listening, do not let this horrible, horrible business change you, please, Jalen. That's all I. That's all I ask. It's a fair point. It's a fair point because if he would have if he would have gone out there and subbed that dude okay. in forty five seconds and then been like, Justin Gaethje, you're taking everything I worked for. Sure. Type like we would have just been talking about him fighting Justin Gaethje at that point. Yeah, I don't. But just I don't even need the him words. to yell it like Michael Chandler. I just need just say it. Manifest what you want in this reality. Do not just come in and be like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Like that's lame. No one thinks that's cool. Just add the I words. Do. Just I add do. the words. What his mom thinks it's cool. Just add the words. Would be a oh lot of fun, and I respect him a lot. And that's fine. You're not yeah. changing who you are. Don't. But don't you're still calling out a name. Just say. Just say. I think it would be dope to fight Justin Gaethje like that because it would be. It would be super cool or whatever. Or, or Poirier or Chandler know, or whoever. I know Dustin Poirier is a little too famous for me, but like, I don't know. I want to scrap scrap with you because like, that'd be cool. Like, just do that. Yeah. Or Daryush. Yeah, Daryush, anybody. Yeah. yeah. I want to well, fight him and then skateboard with him. Daryush will have to fight you because they, yeah. he's not getting the fights he wants either. I'd love to fight him and go to the skate park with him after. That's fine. That's funny Money. and fun. There you go. Boom. We got fight it. Fight him and we'll play a game of Tony Hawk afterwards. <laughs> see how it goes AK what about you in terms of this question who's quickest to, the t to a title shot but also who's quickest to actually be champion yeah I mean I can't argue with the perceived thing he's putting himself on the path he's saying the right things he's beating the right opponents he should get a big opponent uh, next so I'm definitely I think he's going to get it first um, even given my my wacky timeline that I presented for Charles Oliveira and Habib and all that um, so and I know I just said Strukian and I still stand by that so I'll, I'll just give a second option 
I think Gamrat's a little sneaky. Um, I, I, regardless of whether you think he won that fight or not, um, I know it probably didn't really go his way. I think he's sneaky, and, and I have a habit, frankly, of underrating KSW guys. And I love KSW, so I don't know why when it comes to like you know people asking like, oh well, how do you think they'd fare in the UFC? I'm usually pretty like I'm pretty. Uh, You're hardest uh, on the people you love. I understand. I guess so. I like just like we and all the Brazilians just like, apparently. Just like he. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm usually apprehensive to say this guy could be a champion, but like, look at guys like him, Roberto Soldic. I mean, uh, Roberto Soldic for me is completely believable that he could be a top five guy Soldic in the UFC. So, absolutely be a he champion. Is, um, he is so good. Uh, and he is definitely in also, the, uh, uh, Oh, he's in that rankings. He's number 14. He'll be number 14 uh, this month. So, uh, so yeah, so for Gamrot, even though, yeah, uh, there's definitely some improvements that need to be made, there's something to be said about having that big chokes. KSW is so huge, you know, in Poland, even around the world now, but it's definitely in Poland, they really do those, the stadium shows right. Like, they do it big, they do it right, they treat their guys like stars. And there's something about having that confidence and being treated like that and bringing that to the, having that already when you come to the UFC, that I think is so big that other guys, that guys like Sarukian, like, frankly, just don't have. Um, and, and I'm not saying that's the biggest determinant in becoming a champion, but we're talking about mentality with like Jalen Turner, Sarukian, guys like that. It goes a long way. And I think a guy like Gamrot could really, with the right matchup, kind of sneakily like find himself like winning into winning a UFC title. Like it would not be surprised me if it happens someday. So I'll kind of make him my number two choice. And I think it'll seem surprising when it happens, when it like the fight gets booked, but then when it finally happens, we'll go like, yeah, man, this Gamrock guy, like he's serious. And uh, yeah, we got, I got to stop underrating these KSW guys or even, even guys like your guy underrated him and from Ryzen. So I don't know. That's on me. So I'm maybe overcompensating here, but I'll get Gamrock my second choice behind Sarukian. I love it. I love the fact that we can have this discussion because we've been waiting to have some what type of discussion like this in this Conor division McGregor, for so long. Guys, how about that? He's coming up. <laughs> he's he's got to get that gonna... leg right. He's coming back up. That's why oh it's going to take forever because he's going to get a friggin' title shot again <laughs> in his chest. Uh, it's... And there are like 30 dudes who would kick the absolute crap out of him. These to me, these type of moments when we're seeing these type of changes, these mass changes between generations are the most fun to me when it comes to MMA. Like when you see old guard, new guard, just complete taking over, like it, who's going to sink, who's going to swim, who's who we thought they were, that type of thing. I love all of it. I think it's so fun. Uh, last thing here, and then we'll get out of here for this month. Just very quickly, Mike, uh, quick predictions. Set the table for me really quickly. I mean, who do you think will be the story of the next three weekends? Because we, our next ranking cycle is at the beginning of August. Uh, at a normal time, we kind of got a little screwed up with the schedule. But who do you think is the story of the next three weekends? Wow, that's a terrific question, Sean. Jeez. Um, Let me take a gander. I will say... I'll say Yair Rodriguez. Oh, I'll say Yair Rodriguez because I think, and not because like he's going to get shot up through the rankings, but he's going to be, he's going to be a talking point. It's going to cause a debate about 145. The conversation of who deserves what and who has earned what, because if Yair Rodriguez beats Brian Ortega, he's going to get the title shot. He's going to like in any way, shape or form. Yair Rodriguez wins the Saturday. He's fighting Volkanovsky next for the title. It's not going to be Josh Emmett. And Josh Emmett and Uriah Faber and everybody can make a strong case that Josh Emmett, quote unquote, deserves it more than Yair Rodriguez. But I think Yair get, going out there and getting a win over Brian Ortega, which I think he will. It's going to be a really good fight, but he's going to be the guy. And Josh Emmett's going to be sort of left out in the cold once again. And, and Emmett could probably still be ranked above Yair Rodriguez. So I think Yair Rodriguez is going to be a, an important talking point heading into August. And... Yeah, just off the top of my head, I'm going with him. 
I like it. He's telling us on the MMA hour earlier this week that he's guaranteed a title shot by the UFC if he wins this fight. So it's already that right there for him. Uh, Jed story that we're talking about next time this month or next time next this time next month. I mean, I don't, it's hard to argue with what Mike said, but I think that the real answer is, is the women's bantamweight title fight at the end of the year. Like, there are other fights that are going to to matter and be substantive, and certainly Curtis Blades, Tommy Aspinall, that could be huge. But uh, the thing, like, if, if Pena does it again, the next ranking show is going to be talking about Pena, yeah. <laughs> about where she belongs in the pound for pound, because I think, to some extent, everybody's given her credit for that W. Like, nobody's taken that away from her. But I also do sort of feel like, in the women's pound for pound, Pena... Some people have her as low as like seven or whatever like that. She's very much impending. She, kind she of. is very everyone is trying to figure out if this is a fluke or a real one. So if she goes out and does it again, I think Pena is going to end up rocketing up to top three pound for pound. Like I think that'll probably happen and will have solidified the number one bantamweight spot clearly. Uh, and if Nunez does it, then it's OK. Well, is how how much do we count losing? But then coming back and getting the win Uh what does that mean? And what that means for Banaway moving forward? Because whoever wins, the Valentina Shevchenko thing is now is still looming over that division. So I think the women's Bantamweight title fight at at, two thir- uh, at 277, uh, that's probably going to be the biggest single thing that happens is in the next three weeks. I was I I, I was when uh, Jed, you mentioned uh Spania's low as seven. I was like, who has Pena at seven? And like, oh, it's me. I'm the one. <laughs> I'm the one you had Pena at seven pound for the pound. lowest in pound for pound. What do you mean? Who has it? I was like, who did wow. that? I'm like, oh, th- oh, it was this guy. And I stand by it. I stand by it, even though I didn't remember it until now. I stand by it. Uh, but, but regarding your question, Shaheen, I'll tell you who we're going to be talking about next month. And I, it's it. a bit weird do because it. I, I almost no, did it. No, no, no. I, I was going to do it for you. Well, no, I thought you were going to do that. That's why I didn't do it. I was I really we surprised gonna, you didn't do I it. I know that we were going to sing Tommy Espinal. But I think you and I are, but you and I think are both picking Curtis Blaze probably to win that fight. Um, no, but on that, but on that card though, a young man who it's 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 weird because it's my fault actually that he's not already ranked. <laughs> I'm partially responsible, and I love this guy. You are single handedly responsible for Am why this man's not. I'm not. No, listen. This this is this, this falls on your this, this falls on your shoulders. Eight, there are eight panelists in. All right, other people could have ranked him higher. Okay, I don't have him ranked at all yet, yet. But I am telling you, by this time next month, when we were talking doing the show again, we'll be talking about. The action man, Chris Curtis, being finally ranked as one of the top 15 middleweights in the world. Long over, well, I mean, I should say long overdue. He's been funny at 170 for so long. He just kind of he's just kind of fallen ass backwards into middleweight right now. And he's just rolling with it, I guess, until uh, until he can't anymore. Uh, I'm sure he would he plans to drop back down to 170 in the future. But why? I mean, why? He's been so much fun in middleweight. He's been getting great fights. He has this opportunity just handed to him to fight Jack Hermanson, a very tough matchup. But a huge, huge matchup that I'm pretty sure will be the co-main I think event. It's a really good matchup, actually, for him. I do too. He, he doesn't get submitted. The guy doesn't. He just doesn't down. get submitted. Or I know people down. think he's like a yeah. He's known as a striking specialist, but yeah, he's an elite stand and bang guy. Like he's so good at avoiding takedowns. Um, he's a plus athlete, which you, uh, um, you know, Jed, you and I put a lot of emphasis on. Like you go a long way to be a good athlete. Yeah, you go a long way in combat especially sports being a plus athlete. It's a super oh, cheap yeah, yeah. middleweight. Especially middleweight, heavyweight. If you're a plus athlete, even low, light, 185 and above. 185 and up, being a plus yeah. athlete is the biggest way. cheat code you can so, have in the sport. I cannot wait 
uh, till two of the nicest guys meet in the octagon. Him and Jack Hermanson love both these guys, but I think Curtis gets the win, and we are going to be we're going to be talking. His his crazy ride continues. Uh, AK, for Chris Curtis. Yeah. I'm okay with you not having Chris Curtis ranked because at your number fifteen spot. It's it's Henniated. Don't do it. And that yeah, but hold important. on. Hold on. Oh God. All I'm saying is Chris Curtis, if you're listening to this, Mr. Curtis, Mr. Man, Mr. Action Man, uh, don't 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 this Johnny come lately is not on your side. I have interviewed this Johnny come lately is not on your side. If he had Whoa. kicked out Darren Till or I, Kelvin Gastelum Chris Curtis, out of his rankings and put you in, you would already be Chris in. Curtis, you know I'm a real one. I talked to you after I talked to him after the contender series has lost. He should have been signed. I talked to him. I'm a big fan. We're pretty much best friends, even though that interview was like five years ago. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Chris Curtis. I know this is not good journalistic uh behavior, but I admit it. I'm a fan. I like Chris Curtis. I want him, I think he's gonna win. I want him to win. He will have a ranking. He'll probably have a top 10 ranking in my in my ranking. Uh, yeah, that's up. the and, thing. And yes, uh, one of these people. You know what? Uh, you, you know what? Uh, Hanier de Hider uh, may have to take the hit. Jan, oh. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Unless I finally decide to take out uh, Darren Till or Calvin Gaslam. I mean, you should definitely get rid of Darren Till. <laughs> he but, beat Calvin Gaslam. Yeah. He beat him. What can I do? Yeah, I mean, you could get rid of both of them. That'd be okay. Let, <laughs> let new people breathe, AK. And there we go. We went full circle. What, what about you, Sean? You have you didn't tell us what your what your big thing for oh, next yeah. month is. I mean, the, the answer is Pena okay. Nunes for sure. Like, because I think all of us. I said it when you were speaking, Jed. But it's it, Pena's in this weird spot right now where she's almost impending for a lot of people. Very like, much so. Like, is was this real? Was this a fluke? Did she actually beat Amanda Nunes like this? It's <laughs> like, what are we talking yeah, about? Because it's so weird. Because there's the, still several she, women who could beat her. Also, she got the hell beaten out of her for like the whole entire first round in that fight. So it's just like other, other referees might have stopped that in round one. Like that is it was it's weird. not inconceivable that an early stoppage for for Nunes could have could have ruined all of this for all of us. Mm-hmm. So but altogether, like it's, it's a pretty short little cycle we have ahead of us, but it's actually really compelling in a lot of fronts because I like the I like the Aspinall Curtis Blades fight as, as a headliner for, for London flyweight fight. You got the interim flyweight fight, uh, and also the Ortega Yair. As Mike said, it's just tremendous theater because the USC has been trying to give Yair Rodriguez a title shot for like three years at this point. And so, is he going to finally I need, take? I it? need him to win. I need He's him not to beating win Ort- so bad. I'm picking Ortega. Is that financially you need him to win? <laughs> no, it's it's if Ortega wins, then Ortega. Then we're going to do like, the Volkanovski yeah. thing. Do that. Yeah. It's like Volk. Just fight, fight new people, fight different ones. Like just fight, get Arnold Allen or Mavsar Evlev or any of the, because we didn't talk about featherweight that much and we don't need to at this point, but like talked about lightweight, the new guard being here and being awesome. Featherweight has a bunch of new guys coming up hard and they're going to be great. It's a a bit of a similar issue uh, in that weight class. And so I just want to see Volk fight those dudes instead of fight Brian Ortega again. With you. I'm right there with you. All right. Well, that wraps up this month's episode of the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. We appreciate you so much for tuning in. As always, uh, we're going to be back, as I said, early next month, first week of August, back on the normal schedule. The pay-per-views have kind of thrown us off, uh, but we're back to it. In the meantime, keep it locked to MMA Fighting, as Mr. Jed says often. Great website. It's the best website in the whole damn world. It's a good good time. You should check it out. Uh, My name is Sean O'Shaughney. That man is Jed Mishu. That man is Mike Heck. For Alexander K. Lee, thank you once again. Keep it locked, MMA Fighting. We love you guys, and we'll see you soon.
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.